Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question. How do I become a saint? Today's podcast is titled, The Saints Hate Sin. To begin, I want to share with you guys our sponsors. I want to first shout out Syndicate Strategies. They are a full-service marketing agency owned and operated by two Catholic business partners who have been working together for over 25 years. Syndicate helps connect businesses to customers using the most current technology. They can help you create powerful, engaging websites and e-commerce stores that bring results. Find out what Syndicate can do for you at sinstrat.com slash saints, sinstrat.com slash saints. If you're like me and you like to wear your faith on your sleeve, I invite you to check out The Catholic Company, a one-stop shop for resources that will help you grow in your Catholic faith. They understand the importance of truth, goodness, and beauty. From rosaries to books to statues to clothing, The Catholic Company has it all. Use code Gotta Be Saints for 15% off your order. That's code Gotta Be Saints, all one word, for 15% off. The Catholic Company, because faith matters. I'm excited today for our guest. We have Emma Boback with us. She is the founder and creator of Zelly and Lou. She also is the person who created the Gotta Be Saints logo. So I think I invited Emma to be on the podcast a long, long time ago. And here we are finally. So uh, Emma, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with all of those people who listen to this podcast. Thank you so very much. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. And as I mentioned at the start, and I know that was a very short bio, I'll let Emma share more about herself as well later on. Um, But today we're talking about the saints hating sin. Uh, Both of us have a real love for the saints clearly through our two pages and we thought as emma and i were discussing what maybe to talk about um she's in the midst of reading the screw tape letters which talks a lot about sin and so uh, what a great topic during this easter season as we rejoice in the glories of our lord and the fact that he has risen from the dead um, we also have to look to see how do we still how do we give him glory in the best way? And that, of course, is by loving him. And that includes rejecting sin. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, so I guess we should probably, well, firstly, before we dive dive in, Emma, do you want to give a little bit uh, of info on yourself so that the listeners can hear a little bit more about you? Um, and also sure. know that we'll be plugging your page in the podcast so people <laughs> can find you and everything. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't have a super long bio. I am only 21. Um, I'm a student at Ave Maria University in Naples. I live in Tampa, Florida. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I moved when I was 16. Um, I'm a convert. I converted when I was 14. And then it wasn't until after moving that the faith really became my own. Um, And yeah, freshman year of college is when I started selling Catholic stickers (laughs) and that turned into Zelly and Lou. So it's kind of brief, but that's a little bit about me. No, you're good. I, I grew up near 
Pittsburgh. So I uh, know that area well. Did you have a favorite uh, a favorite restaurant in the Pittsburgh area? So if anyone's listening at home and they love that area or they're visiting. Mm-hmm. Eaton Park was such a classic growing up. Have you ever been there? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> the smiley face cookies. Mm. Oh my yep. gosh. The, I got so excited when I got this. Did you ever go to King's? restaurant before it's like <laughs> yep and get their frowny brownies they have a competition between yep. the two uh great great midwest <laughs> uh food right there well i will i think we can then dive in but thank you for for that bio i think it uh encapsulates everything well i mean there's nothing better than a short and concise bio so i appreciate it um okay so we chatted a little bit before and decided on the topic of sin and the need for each of us to see it for what it truly is. Um, can you just share with me and the listeners how we got here, you know, talking about that, uh, that passion for pursuing holiness and um, also just combine, you know, talking about what C.S. Lewis has been uh, sharing in your life, your own story, all, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, This has been something that I think 2020 really opened my eyes to, Um, especially being on social media. There's a lot. I feel like it was just really hard to keep up with everything that was happening. And there was all of this um, kind of pointing blame other people people need to point out evil, which that in itself is a good thing. But I felt like I was constantly just, I don't know, picking apart what all of these other groups and other people were doing. And I wasn't turning the finger back on myself and looking at my own sinfulness. Um, So um, a prayer that I was asking the Lord for was to just open my eyes to my own sin and how that hurts him. Um, And to just be made aware of like venial sin that I'm just letting slip Um, because I want to be like Christ to other people Um, through our baptism. He dwells in us and I don't want my own sin to get in the way of that. Yeah. So just, when you ask the Lord to show you your own sin, he does not hold back. (laughs) Um, And it's a super uncomfortable process, but I also think that um, the people listening to this podcast are probably pretty devout pursuing holiness. Um, And I think that it's easy to see what's happening in the world and to start to think that we are better than that and that we are above that and that that's the world's problems, but it doesn't affect us and just failing to see our own sin. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this topic. Mm, I think you're, you're spot on though. And I think it's a necessary thing to be discussing and to be even thinking about in your own life and and just your your comment about when you ask the Lord for something, he does provide, and especially when we ask for something in humility, such as, Lord, show me my area, the areas where I need to grow. And 
uh, he'll he'll certainly do it, which is mm-hmm. <laughs> hard, very hard, but also good. I mean, it, it's necessary. Um, so I guess the next question I would want to ask you is after, you know, hearing what you just said, why do you think these small sins are so easy to creep in? I mean, we know them as venial sins. Um, why is it so easy to just let those things uh, into our lives? Um, I think so. If you compare them with mortal sin being like grave matter, um, full knowledge and full consent. Um, I think that with mortal sin, we know it's wrong and you feel this sense of guilt and shame, which I think in a lot of cases, it pushes us to seek repentance. Um, But with venial sin, I think we kind of just overlook it and we don't even take the time to like actually recognize it as sin. Um, And that's also kind of, I wanted to talk about C.S. Lewis a little bit too. Um, I'm taking a C.S. Lewis class at my school and we're reading Screwtape Letters. And Screwtape Letters, it's like letters kind of written from this demon, I guess, to his nephew kind of teaching him like how to tempt people. And there's this quote that says, it does not matter how small the sins are provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones or signposts. And I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, like, these little sins, they weaken our conscience and weaken um, our relationship with God. And I think you don't even realize like kind of the road that you're going down until, you know, and then you start committing moral sins from that. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's a big reason is we just don't take the time to recognize it as sin. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I look forward to you when you make that a that a graphic and sharing it. It's an <laughs> incredible quote. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I and also I'm doing a, a book club with uh, or giving away a book each month. I think that that book might have to be the next one I give away. I have it somewhere over there on my on my bookshelf. Um, but yeah, I think I think C.S. Lewis knows what he's saying in this regard. And I think you know what you're saying that it, it's just so easy because it doesn't seem to have that much of an effect. Um, but the reality is each and every little step um, can can lead us away from him. And it's, you know, once you do take 10 steps, you actually are pretty far away from where you were before. Um, and I think from there we can we can see this distance happening. But at least in that initial step, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Um and, you know, we're talking about uh, the saints hating sin. I think, you know, we're going to get more into that a little bit, but um, it's just, it's just so easy, I think. And mm-hmm. and also you can look at your company you keep too. And, you know, if one sin is not a big deal, I've worked at multiple offices. And one of the things that, you know, you always have to, to look for is even just a sin that is as small as gossiping. And you work with enough people and you want to talk, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's such a, it's such a funny thing because 
it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to say so-and-so annoyed me in this moment or whatnot. And then you see what it can do, you know, that tearing of the flesh of the person. Um, anyways, that's all a side tangent. So I, I guess the next thing to, to ask you is, in my mind, oftentimes one of our society's biggest problems is that our this idea that our feelings are actually more important than our souls. Uh, I think this is very prevalent in today's society. Um, maybe you agree, don't agree. I'd love to, to get your thoughts. And then do you, if, if you agree, how do you feel we stop this out? How do we change the course? Yeah, so I definitely agree with that. I think that we are too focused on being loved by people instead of loving them. Um, and I think that the main thing with this is Ooh, that- Can you say that again? I love that. That was <laughs> we're beautiful. We're too focused on being loved by people instead of loving them. Um, and I think a big thing with that is just, we have allowed ourselves to identify with sin instead of Christ. And I'm doing the Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmitz, I'm falling a little bit behind, <laughs> but <It's> um, <laughs> we were just doing Exodus and it's so crazy because it's like the same thing with Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and out of slavery and they want to go back. And I think it's like the same thing with us, like Christ sets us free from being slaves and like enslaved to sin and we still go back and we want to try to like identify it, identify with it. Um, yeah. So I think it's kind of an issue with that. And then, yeah, I don't know, like when we're baptized, we become sons and daughters of God and we take on every promise he's ever said. Um, and we have no choice but to clothe ourselves in Christ and what he's done for us and to allow that reality to change us into people that are more like him. Um, but I think we, I don't know. It's like, it's still this identifying with what other people think of us. And I don't know if it's like a not being secure in Christ type of thing almost. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think you do know though. I think everything <laughs> you said was, was spot on. And, um, I mean, to, to just go a little further, I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a spiritual maturity that we, I think, oftentimes lack, and it goes with this whole topic of sin itself. Um, when we look at sin, and you and I, I think we talked about it before, uh, I think you mentioned in your email, you used the phrase horror of sin, maybe I'm wrong in, mm -hmm. in saying that, but I think yeah. you did, um, that is a reality that many people don't have, including myself at times, you know, where we don't really see this for what it is. And so in terms of, you know, choosing feelings for, for someone over, over, you know, actually being focused on loving them um, properly and wanting their soul more than anything else to, to be in line with our Lord, um, we are just so prevalent then are so easily uh, manipulated to fall into these traps uh, of sin. And 
easily able to accept things that are distortions of truth. I mean, mm-hmm. you see it in our society today, and we don't need to go through the list, but everywhere you look, there's another sin that is being at the forefront of society, and yet it's it's not a big deal to to many people. We've actually found, I mean, pornography is a great example of something that we know to be a distortion of, you know, sexuality in itself, and it's become mainstream and widely accepted either as as normal or at least, you know, not a real problem because it's a personal choice, which is is absurd. Um, and as Catholics, we are so fortunate to to have the teachings of the church and to have theology of the body and whatnot to kind of better understand these things. But um, it's oftentimes not really discussed, not really understood. Yeah. And, and it's just such a shame because of what it does to the body of Christ and it greatly harms it. Mm-hmm. I think there's another aspect of, well, I don't know. I see this on social media a lot and I think it's a problem in America of kind of just twisting the gospel to mm. be this prosperity gospel. And we take Jesus like from the throne of being savior to this little like magician or cheerleader that it's like, what can he do for us? Instead of recognizing, I think like when we recognize our own sin, we recognize our need for a savior and it, I don't know, like the ordering of that is just so much better. And we take, I don't know, like I've seen so many verses of um, just taken out of context Bible verses, like Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. That one is just twisted so much and it, we lose our perspective on eternity and it, it we're just too focused on like this short life that we have to live. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know, like the first 300 years of Christianity. I mean, if you were a Christian in the Roman Empire, you were going to be killed. Like these people were baptized knowing that I'm probably going to die and it cost them a lot and they were still baptized. And today it's kind of um, back to the whole idea of being loved rather than loving, I think there's this like idea of putting a Bible verse in your Instagram bio is like, oh, I'm a good little Christian girl. And it's like positively looked at as opposed to like the early Christians where you were gonna be martyred for your faith. Um, Yeah. So I think there's just a big shift in all of that that I've seen. Yeah, well, no, and I, I think to what you're saying too, though, is we we've gotten away from this idea that our faith should or will maybe our faith will cost us in a certain mm-hmm. sense. Like it, it yes, there will be times of great joy and prosperity, and and our Lord is so good in that and providing mm-hmm. moments of joy and grace that are just, but also it's going to be hard, mm-hmm. and so many. Our society tells us that if it gets difficult, we should walk away. Um, To your point, uh, 
there's a story that Father Mike shared, uh, Father Mike Schmitz, who we already mentioned once, and I, I love it so much. I just shared it with someone the other day. But it, in short, he was talking about this man, and I want to say he's he was Chinese, and he grew up in China, and there was basically, you know, that if you know anything about the China situation currently, their church is under great persecution. Uh, but this was, you know, maybe 40, 50 years ago. And I apologize if I'm getting the details wrong. But long story short, this man and his family had to say that, you know, go to mass in private and, you know, under this underground church. And at some point, the local government officials found out. And so they went to this house. And fortunately, the priest and basically everyone got away. But this man was the sacristan. And so he, you know, had to make sure you know, that the Eucharist was taken care of and um, whatnot. And so they came in and they arrested him. And so fortunately enough, you know, the the body of Christ was taken care of and uh, was not desecrated. But this man was then tortured and questioned for weeks on end because they wanted to find out who the priest was. They knew they are smart enough to know that if you get the priest, we can, in a certain sense, at least take away the sacraments. And that's going to have a negative effect on these people. Well, the guy ends up, you know, suffering greatly for the Eucharist, suffering for uh, this situation and spends weeks there being uh, questioned and whatnot and persecuted only to, you know, they eventually released him because he didn't give up the priest. Well, fortunately for that man and his family, they were given the ability to go to the United States to live here in our country. And so they did, and they came here. And this is a man who now has been a, you know, almost a martyr for the Eucharist, but has suffered greatly for Jesus. Comes here, gets a job. His family's going to daily mass. They're living uh, a, basically a perfect life in, in, a certain, in certain terms, com- completely different from what they experienced in China. And pretty soon, the man finds himself not going to daily mass because he's got a job and it's paying well. And he eventually is able to find, he finds out he can work on Sundays to make more money. So he misses a couple Sunday masses. Eventually the way the story was shared by father Mike is the man was going to mass twice a year on Christmas and Easter. And this is a man who in any other circumstance you would have, I mean, he was a great defender for, for the Eucharist, a great defender for the faith. And yet all he needed was a few years living here in our country to have that beauty that he saw in the faith just stripped away from him. And I just think that uh, indifference is probably the sin here, but he Mm -hmm. grew to be indifferent to truth because it was easy. And your point about the early martyrs, they accepted with joy the suffering that was going to come because suffering, although difficult, the graces are there. And all that said, you know, sometimes we would rather live comfortably than live uh, fearfully made and and pursue what we're actually called to. But anyway, I I share that story. I know that was long winded, but I think it tied in well with uh, what you were saying. Father Mike says it much better. So I apologize to anyone who wishes they were hearing him right now. Um, But I guess the the next question that I want to ask you is is going with you know 
social media. We, we talked about this. You are fortunate enough. God has used you in such a great way. You have a major social media presence. And I'd be remiss to say that, or to not say that I believe you use it so well. If you don't follow Emma's page, you should. She does a wonderful job of sharing uh, facts about the saints. She's really gifted in terms of creating graphics that are very aesthetically pleasing. But she also, you always speak truth. And you also do a great job of uh, catechesis as well. So basically, you can't go wrong with following her page. I highly suggest checking it out. Um, but God has truly put you in the thick, uh, the thick of things with the new evangelization. How do you feel about that? And do you think that social media in terms of speaking truth has been used well? Or, you know, and we can go on a little bit from there. Well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> um, all the glory to God. Um, yeah, so it's super crazy. I didn't know that my page would get anywhere near as big as it is now. Um, it really just started from me wanting to learn about the faith and trying to remember things because I wasn't um, raised Catholic. So I didn't know a ton about saints. And there are so many saints that I'm like, how am I going to keep all of these ones straight? How do I know what they look like and like facts about them? So I was just making graphics, trying to remember them and then sharing them with other people. And yeah, I guess it's helped other people in some ways. Um, but yes, in, it has. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Instagram, I have a love hate relationship with it. Um, I think that, I don't know, our generation gets too much of their information and news from social media, which is super dangerous in a lot of ways. But I think that a way for evangelization is to kind of just roll with it and to see it as an opportunity to meet people, um, where they are in their mindless scrolling, um, I know that when I am just living life, being present, I'm not scrolling on social media. Um, so I think that you're meeting people who are, I don't know, bored, hurting. I don't know what their situation is. Um, but yeah, and you're also meeting a kind of person that might not be at these other Catholic events. Like they're not going to be the ones going to youth groups. They're probably not going to be the ones going to like Catholic summer camps and stuff like that. Um, because when people are sharing these posts on their stories, all of their followers are just, they're so di diverse and so different. Um, so yeah, my goal has kind of just been to, summarize beliefs about the faith in a concise way that people can share and then in the hopes that maybe someone who um, has some sort of misconception about the church sees it and it kind of just makes them question where that misconception came from and I've had so many good conversations with people in my dms um Protestants a lot too, that they thought Catholics believed one thing and then realized that, nope, they don't actually believe that. Um, 
So, yeah, I don't know. It's challenging, but also very beautiful and good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think just the fact that what you said about the the DMs, though, in the sense of the reality is, as you and I both know, this cannot be someone's, I mean, we, we can be a homily, but we can't be someone's church. And mm-hmm. it can be, I think, easy to turn it into that for so, so many people, especially since COVID's happened. I mean, um, you and I both know people who still have not gone back to mass, you know, mm-hmm. and I, regardless of their logic, maybe it's, it's sound, maybe it's not. Um, I, I don't need to play judge and nor do you, as you know. Um, but it, it's interesting for so many people, they turn to social media for, for that. And so you're in the thick of it. You get to have that ability to help these people. And, and sometimes the DMS is where it happens the most because you're having a real conversation with some of these people and not just them reading, um, you know, a couple of quotes or whatnot, but it, it can be, it can be tough because as you're saying, you know, you're giving a, I think a good uh, reality of what most people who are sitting on social media are doing, you know, they're scrolling and there's a reason. And at best it's because they don't have anything planned. They're quote unquote bored. And at worst, they're going through a whole lot more. And this is something that's numbing to give Mm -hmm. them some purpose. I mean, the amount of people who have mentioned to me, and I'm sure you get this all the time, that this is their community. And I can't fathom that because to me, I've just been blessed with community my whole life. I love social media. I've used it my whole life ever since, you know, I was in middle school. And yet at the same time, it's, I can walk away from it and I'm completely happy. You know, I have friends and family Mm -hmm. that I'm, Uh, I turn to and and also hobbies and whatnot, things that I'm doing. And so when I see it for what it is, I think you both of us probably see social media for what it is. It's not uh, an end all be all. It's a means to providing some truth. And and granted, I I get a lot out of doing the research too, when I'm doing things, reading these quotes. Um, But at the same time, uh, I think, how do you, so in the end, we can, we can get to the point that it's so important to, to help people because it's going to spark something, God willing, you know, hopefully they read something and it sparks something in their heart and they want to dive deeper into that. How do you think, or what do you think gets them to that next part, which of course is actually a conversation knowing our Lord in a real way? Are we just, in your mind, just little vehicles, or do you think it's more than that um, with social media especially? Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about it can't be a substitute. Um, And I think that with, there's some like, I don't know, I stay out of it. I don't really get involved, but social media drama in every little group that there is on social media. Um, and I think that I'm just super, uh, cautious to have my or think of it as more than what it is. I think that like my hope is just that someone sees something and it kind of brings them back to Jesus in a way like, Maybe I need to get off of this 
and go pray, go read my Bible, go to mass, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah. All the but, best things. Yeah. And I think the other thing, I don't know if you get this a lot too, um, but I think that there's a lot of people that see it as something that they want. Like, how do I grow my page? How do I get have a bigger following or something like that. And I'm like, no, I don't think you want that. Like, that's not the goal. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I well, Instagram stopped that anyway. So we're, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, I could go a- into a spiel about that, but I, it's, it's sad. Uh, Instagram is crazy and right now. And it's but- only sad because of, you know, what's being sh- shared is good. Mm-hmm. it's not a, but to your point, yeah, there's those people who it's, how do I get bigger? And it's like, that's not the, that's not the point. If yeah. you have a hundred followers or a hundred thousand, Jesus is yeah. using it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And the most important work that we actually do in evangelization work is with the people that God has put in our lives, like actual people. And the relationships that we have with them, not just creating something and posting it on Instagram. And, you know, I think that it's too glorified um, because at the end of the day, like even Catholic social media can become uh, an idol, false God, if you allow it to be. Um, Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it did. And. And to to what you were saying, and this is to to speak well of what you do, and I think I at least try to do this as well. Um, you know, you, you talk about the drama that can that can come with social media, and I, yeah, I, I, I've never thought of your page as a page that one promotes any of that or would be involved in it. And I mean, I've had people ask me multiple times. They'll say, "Oh, do you?" do you find yourself, you know, getting in arguments with people or, you know, people being upset? And I'm like, honestly, not really. I mean, every once in a while, somebody will say something. I shared a quote today uh, by Fulton Sheen and some woman didn't like it. And it was a conversation to to have. Mm -hmm. All I did was say, I think you're misunderstanding this quote, but I've never had a real fight, you know, or anything like that. I've never, I think I've had to block three or four accounts in the whole time I've had it. And that's just because they said weird stuff, not. Yeah, there know. have been some weird ones that like they don't follow you. I don't know how they find your page, but. Yeah, for the most part, it's not. I don't know. Yeah, fortunately. And yeah. and I think but the my, my whole point to that was to say that I think when you're speaking from when you yourself are have an interior disposition of peace that is put forward. Um, in what you're doing. At, at least that's that's how I see it. Because in my own life, my biggest, one of my biggest chief concerns for, for me personally is, am I at peace with our Lord? Am I, firstly, am I constantly in conversation with him? Am I praying? Mm-hmm. Am I faithfully asking, what does he want? And then in turn, is that disposition going to be proclaimed to the people I come in contact first and foremost, you know, those daily encounters? But then with social media in a much less, uh, in a certain sense, a less important way, how is is the disposition that I try to possess in my personal life also being displayed here? And my whole point is, you know, making, 
posts, sharing stuff that is going to be uplifting. And I think you do a great job of that. I try to do that. You know, I'm not trying to get involved. I, I shared something about the election and didn't share my opinions or anything like that. Just said we need to be praying. And it was just so funny because it got all these people riled up. And I just thought, how could you, I could not be in that space to mm-hmm. be so angry with someone I don't know who all they asked for was prayers for someone. I was just, I, I can't fathom it. And so I think to a certain point, we person to person are called to speak truth in certain ways. But if it loses that peace, mm-hmm. we miss the point. Um, yeah, I totally agree. 